The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH on Andy, your host. And before we start today's show, I would like to thank Karen and Mary for their recent donations. If you are able to help keep the show on the air, please go to achshow.com, click the banner at the top, or scroll down on the right-hand side and have a look at the three products that are available there from my publisher okay so today is thursday and it's time for our weekly visit of dr peter hammond wonderful researcher and um minister so let's bring him up right now peter are you with us yes i am thank you andrew thank you so much peter and folks i always look forward to uh peter's presentations as i know many of you do but today i'm really quite excited because this is what has been going on um Dr. Rima Labo, who was the woman that was interviewed by Jesse Ventura back in 2008, I played it on the show, where she was saying that they're going to roll out something as a, a vaccine, and it was just, you know, sort of getting on for 15 years ago now. It was fascinating because it's exactly what's been going on. She was on the Richie Allen show uh, this week, and um, she referred to the pandemic as the propagandemic. And I think that that's the best term I've heard so far. We've had plandemic, we've had scamdemic, but propagandemic is, uh, you know, I think a really good one because you think of all the propaganda that we've had. On that note, the title of today's presentation is The Real Story of the Great Reset and the Great Resistance. So, Peter, where would you like to start us off with this today? Thank you, Andrew. We are facing a great reset. Many people think, well, what is the Great Reset? Interestingly enough, we actually had a Time magazine article that came out, get the date, 2nd of November 2020. 2nd of November 2020, right on the cusp of America's um, so-called free and fair elections, uh, which were as rigged as they come. But the big title of Time magazine or Slime magazine was The Great Reset. That's big and bold up top. And then to the side of it, it says, by Klaus Schwab. Now, who's Klaus Schwab? Well, he's head of World Economic Forum. Um, but also what's intriguing is the Great Reset, and they show the whole globe with a bunch of, this is on the cover of Time magazine, they've got a globe with scaffolding around it, and there are people literally redoing everything and taking whole panels of the world and so on. Well, when you think Great Reset, 
um, you've got to think radical restructuring or revolution. So when you see that R, Great Reset, think revolution, because it's it's another word for revolution or radical restructuring. What you are seeing at the moment is groups like the United Nations, uh, the World Economic Forum, are dedicated to what they call Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. And they are wanting to have a global welfare state where everybody is dependent upon the global state. They're trying to get rid of people being self-sufficient and be, people being able to feed themselves where everybody is, is mostly urbanized and forced to be dependent on the state for survival, in which case they can control our behavior and our thoughts. Because if you don't behave, you won't be fed, things like that. So we're seeing a, a an idea of the Great Reset. And you may think, well, what is this global uh, agenda? What, what's uh, global um, Agenda 21? Well, Agenda 21 was actually many years in the making. It, the term was introduced in the 1992 UN Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro. So President George H. Bush and leaders from 177 other countries signed on to this United Nations action plan that was supposedly designed to assist governments at the local, national, and international level to implement what they called sustainable development. Now, uh, the term 21, the name comes from the 21st century. So Agenda 21, although it was introduced in 1992, was specifically focused on the kind of world we have in the 21st century, where we're living right now. So Rio plus 20 happened in 2012. In 2012, the United Nations Conference on Sustainable Development, attended by 180 national leaders participating, they came out uh, with further goals. And then at another Sustainable Development Summit in 2015, they adopted Agenda 2030, which is also known as Sustainable Development Goals. Now, these are very big, very expensive uh, uh, summits, which bring in, you know, you can imagine bringing the leaders from 180 different countries, that's that's a major operation. And uh, Agenda 21 was introduced into American legislation in 1993 by President Clinton, who quietly established the President's Council on Sustainable Development, or PCSD, which codified Agenda 21 into American policy through a program called Sustainable America. And today, nearly all federal programs in America dealing with land management or educational environment are more and more linked to Agenda 21 through what they call Sustainable America. So nearly all federal programs in America are linked to implementing Agenda 21. And Europe has been the continent which has most accepted the Agenda 21. In Sweden, it seems all local governments have implemented a local Agenda 21 initiative, and there's a lot of pushes, and the UN and the EU are, of course, promoting it dramatically, continually, and uh, what they are basically uh, trying to do is get everybody to work on what is going to make you economically dependent on a global estate. So the whole goal is to urbanize the society more. So a lot more pushing people to urban. So there's been a war on farmers, a war on, you would think that farms are the backbone of any economy. I mean, what can be more basic than being able to to feed yourselves and, and to be economically self-sufficient, but they don't want that. In fact, most countries in the world are not economically self-sufficient and depend on imports of food. There's only a few countries in the world that export food. And uh, by the way, my home country of South Africa was one of them, was one of them. Um, 
1994, when Nelson Mandela was sworn in as president of South Africa, we had 70,000 white farmers, commercial farmers, and they were feeding 100 million people, which was quite an achievement because uh, we only had 28 million people in South Africa, but we were feeding four times our population. We we're feeding 100 million people. Just 70,000 commercial farmers were doing that. Well, through the war on farmers, through the terrorism targeting farmers, the kill the boer, kill the farmer songs even being sung by presidents and having a sustained propaganda against farmers, that all farmers are racist and this, that and the other, they managed to destroy so much of the farms. Today we've got less than 26,000 farmers who are feeding 40 million people, but our population has increased to 60 million. So now our country's got to import food. And what happened to the other of the 100 million people our farmers used to feed. Well, many of them are now dependent on the World Food Program and so on. And so destroying a country that used to export food, uh, take Zimbabwe. Uh, Rhodesia, where I grew up, um, exported food. It was a very strong agricultural economy and the farmers were the main employers in the country, the biggest producers of foreign exchange and all things that you would think are good things, you know, feeding the country feeding other countries, exporting food, bringing foreign aid. I mean, what's wrong with that? Well, that's totally against Agenda 21. They wanted to urbanize and they want to get rid of farmers. So in Zimbabwe, the government, Marxist government of ZANU-PF under Robert Mugabe ordered what they called land reform. And it was basically Soviet dekulukization that Stalin implemented in the 1930s as depicted in the Bitter Harvest film. And uh, next thing you knew, they destroyed, they confiscated without without any compensation over 5,000 farms. Now, Rhodesia had about 5,400 commercial farms. They destroyed almost all of them. Uh, more than 5,000 farms were confiscated, destroyed, and that cost the jobs of over a million um, people and the livelihoods of more than that, close to 3 million, if you think of many of these um, laborers on the farms had, had a many... Uh, dependence and uh, so suddenly there's three million people without uh, livelihood, uh, without uh, support, without agricultural self-sufficiency, uh, who had to flock to the cities and live in urban squalor and slums. And uh, the country that used to export food now needs uh, to depend on thousands of tons of uh, food aid coming in every month just to survive. Uh, imported, uh, and when we say imported, we mean given because. They can't afford to pay for it because the economy has been destroyed because so many businesses were nationalized and so on. Now, you may think these are failures. And from our perspective, it does look like a failure. I mean, Zimbabwe's now got 95% unemployment. Uh, they have uh, more people of their country are refugees uh, in other countries fled across the border, voted with their feet. They actually live in a country. So they've got 95% unemployment of the less than half of the population that have remained in the country. You would have thought Zimbabwe is a catastrophe. They had billions of percent inflation. A $100 trillion note couldn't buy half a loaf of bread, and that's after they'd knocked 16 zeros off the currency. Now, you may think that is a failure. And economically, it looks like a failure. Agriculturally, it's certainly a failure. Uh, you would think it's a failure in terms of any of the categories you tend to use. But from the point of view of the sustainable development of the World Economic Forum, of Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, it's actually a success. Because what they're meant to do is destroy the agricultural self-sufficiency of the country uh, to undermine the ability of the people of Zimbabwe to feed themselves and made Zimbabwe vastly more urbanized. 
Uh, most people now living in urban squalor and slums are destitute, completely without any means of survival, and they are dependent on the state and the United Nations, World Food Programme and uh, UNESCO and so on to survive. So in that sense, they've succeeded because Agenda 21 wants to produce a global welfare state where everybody is dependent on a global state. They are seeking to push people out of the rural areas into the urban where they can be better controlled. And of course, in rural areas, people are able to be more self-sufficient. You can plant your own farms and, and you can sustain yourself with vegetable gardens and fruit trees in your garden and a whole lot of other things too. Uh, but if you push into small sub-economic housing in crushed uh, areas, high-density housing in urban squalor, uh, then you are very dependent on the state and there's never enough jobs uh, to provide. So in the whole scenario then of this great reset, we have old Klaus Schwab, who declared that the, uh, the pandemic is a wonderful opportunity for a global reset. And this global reset is to emerge man and machine into transhumanism. It is a goal to be able to get the people uh, in a situation where they completely depend on the state. So uh, old um, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Program said every country from the United States to China must participate. Every industry from oil to gas must be transformed. And we need stronger and more effective universal or global government. And he said we must build entirely new foundations for all of our economic and social systems. So it's not just rebuilding, it's changing the foundations. And so in his book, and he wrote the book um, on COVID and the Great Reset, uh, Klaus Schwab says that life must never be allowed to return to normal. The world as we knew it in the early months of 2020 is no more, dissolved in the context of the pandemic. And he said that the looming changes are now so huge that instead of speaking of AD and BC, uh, we should speak of before coronavirus and after coronavirus, BC and AC eras. He says the changes will be that dramatic. So they see themselves as messianic in that sense, that they can actually reset time and be uh, the reset can reset even the way we are measuring our time and future. Uh, literally, I'm quoting from Klaus Fabian. The changes will be systemic. The COVID-19 crisis, he says, has shown us that the old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. And so in his speech unveiling the Great Reset in June last year, Klaus Schwab said, we need to change mindsets, not just change society, not just change the economy, change governments, but change our minds. He said that's the most important issue. We need to have our thinking and our behavior changed. Even our thinking and behavior is in the crosshairs of the global elite. Now is the historic moment, he said, the time, not only to fight the virus, but to shape the system for the post-corona era. And so the Great Reset or great revolutional radical restructuring being framed by Schwab and the other globalists, New World Order crowd, is, they say, not so much a response to the coronavirus because they've had these, these goals for decades. And Klaus Schwab, even his book on the Great Reset, admits that they've been working on this agenda for many decades. And uh, that uh, what the coronavirus has done is it's given us an opportunity to implement the Great Reset, which was already being proposed in 1992 in Agenda 21 and, of course, in Agenda 2030 and so on. And so they're also talking about something else that fits into this, and this is what they call the Fourth Industrial Revolution. The Fourth Industrial Revolution is a key component of the Great Reset. 
involves merging man and machines. There's to be a revolution that will fundamentally affect the way we think, will live, work, and relate to one another. And this transformation will be unlike anything humankind has experienced before, bringing together all stakeholders in global polity. So he says we've got to think through everything and redo everything. And very slick, there's videos out there uh, promoting the Great Reset, giving creepy glimpses of what the globalists are planning. Changing a current trajectory requires bold, imaginative action, together with determination and decisive leadership. And that's a quote from Prince Charles of the royal family in Britain, who's uh, saying we need to evolve our economic model, nothing less than a paradigm shift, one that inspires action at revolutionary levels and paces. We simply cannot waste any more time. So interesting that Charles, uh, Prince Charles is a fervent advocate of population control. Now, his father, Prince Philip, was even more blunt and famously expressed his desire to kill large numbers of people. Prince Philip said, in the event that I'm reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus to contribute something to solving the overpopulation problem. And that's, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a joke, and it's nothing to joke about, because it sounds dangerously anti-human, anti-God, and anti-life. But this attitude is widespread amongst the elite, especially those involved in pushing the Great Reset, because as you know, uh, Bill Gates has said that the world is overpopulated and we need to bring the world's population down to something like 500 million. Now, at the moment, we 7.9 billion. So there's obviously more than 7 billion surplus population that somehow must be gotten rid of. And you wonder how they plan to do that, aside from abortion, euthanasia, wars, promoting LGBTQ. Well, of course, pandemics are extremely useful. So what they're talking about with this transhumanism is actually artificial intelligence. The, the fourth industrial revolution is to merge the digital, the biological, and the physical, merging man and machine into something like a cyborg. And there's an enormous amount of conflicts of interests and corruption and collusion and racketeering involved here. Because the big pharma, we're talking about Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, these groups which are promoting the vaccines and which are making billions of the vaccines, they are involved in so many things that are extremely uh, disturbing. So, for example, uh, as uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, has pointed out in his uh, Children's Health Defense, Children's Health Defense website documents how every one of these pharmaceutical companies, big pharma companies, actually repeat criminal felons. And at Moderna, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Johnson Johnson have been forced to pay billions, over $35 billion in admission of guilt fines in American courts alone for crimes, you know, like lying on what is in their pharmaceuticals and killing people and destroying people's lives and so on. And those are, of course, not for vaccines because all these vaccine producers or so-called vaccine producers, we know that many cases aren't really vaccines, but are not what historically we thought of as vaccines. These are, in fact, medical procedures which are altering people's very DNA. But uh, quite aside from that, these so-called vaccine producers are indemnified for any liability, criminal or civil, uh, caused by their products. So uh, these um, fines, these billions of dollars in fines of admission of guilt by Pfizer, uh, Johnson Johnson, uh, AstraZeneca and Moderna, uh, these have been paid for other pharmaceutical products that they're responsible for. And it makes you wonder how 
how can you trust criminal felons, repeat criminal felons, with something that they've now got indemnity from liability for? And if these vaccines really are that safe and effective, as Trudeau and others keep telling us, why do they have and why do they need indemnity from prosecution or liability for their products? Don't they believe in their own products? So we've seen tremendous overlap of uh, conflicts of interest here. For example, you just take Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau and his family and government are linked on so many levels to Big Pharma. There's massive conflicts of interest. The Trudeau family and his liberal government are getting multiplied millions from the production of vaccines in Canada. And they've, for example, the government of Trudeau has ordered 10 times more vaccines than there are people in Canada. And one wonders what they've got in mind. Obviously, they're not going to stop with just two shots per person if they are buying 10 times more vaccines than they actually have the population for. And, and yet, the Trudeau government and Trudeau and his family are benefiting personally to the tune of millions of dollars for the vaccine. So there's, there's an uh, overlap there. Here's another conflict of interest. Many of the major programs on the lamestream media in America, talking about CBS and ABC and CNN, are actually sponsored by Pfizer. In fact, there's quite a lot of news programs which uh, end with brought to you by Pfizer with their logo. And that should be disturbing. No wonder we can see so much bias in the actions of governments and mass media when you realize that the very vaccine-producing companies are buying up and owning those governments, those parties, and uh, those media outlets. So what is going on right now is, is extremely disconcerting, but it's all out of the idea of the Great Reset, because the Great Reset, it, it comes out of Darwinian evolutionary theory. And remember what Stalin said, evolution prepares for revolution. Evolution provides the ground for revolution. And the whole idea of evolution, Darwinian evolution, that you know, once upon time there was nothing, and then there was something, and that something became everything, and the whole lot of time and the whole lot of nothing made everything, and there was just an explosion uh, of nothing, and that produced everything. And basically, the idea is if you could just throw a bomb into a printing press, you could produce a dictionary or encyclopedia. If you threw a bomb into a rubbish dump, you could produce 747 jumbo jet tanked up with pilot fuel and runway all ready to go. Uh, so basically, uh, out of explosions and chaos will arise paradise. And I've heard this articulated by communists, for example, liberation theologian Alan Busak, good friend of Desmond Tutu, said in my hearing, out of the ashes of Pretoria will arise the new Jerusalem. And we've heard these people regularly talk about the fact that you just got to burn everything down, blow everything up, and paradise will arise. And this is Darwinian evolution. If you can just throw enough bombs, burn down enough things, use enough arson and destruction, uh, the result's bound to be good. Because, after all, didn't the whole world and universe come out from an explosion? So it may sound a bit counterintuitive to you and I. It may not make sense to us. But you've got to think of the Darwinian evolutionary, revolutionary Marxist mindset to understand the concept that what Lenin called constructive chaos. Lenin said, never underestimate the power of constructive chaos. So his goal was, if you can just destroy enough things, burn down enough things, utopian paradise will arise out of the ashes. Now, 
many people are talking this kind of talk. And this includes people like George Soros, the billionaire industrialist who is financing so much of the riots of BLM and others, uh, which also reminds you that interesting when BLM were burning, looting and murdering and going berserk, uh, Justin Trudeau came out, met with them and bowed the knee and, and supported them and, and all of that and even financed them. Uh, but he can't talk to truckers because apparently he's got principles about people protesting. A uh, bit of hypocrisy and double standards going on here. Do you understand what's going on when you understand the mindset, when you understand what's behind the Great Reset, when you understand the radical transformation, radical reconstruction they want, when you understand the revolution, the red revolution they want? George Soros said red China provides a model for the new world order. Red China has a better government than the United States of America has, he said. He believes that we should model ourselves in Red China. And this also explains why during the pandemic or pandemic or scamdemic, many were advocating the very same control measures that Red China had implemented, the one-party dictatorship of Red China with the worst human rights abuses in the world. Force everyone to mask, force everyone to lockdown, force everyone to social distance, and so on and so forth, and then force people to get vaccinated. This fits into a totalitarian mindset. So the Great Reset is the Great Revolution, the Great Restructuring the great radical restructuring or transformation, they like to call it sometimes, of the whole world into a global welfare state where everyone's dependent upon the global state, where you will own nothing and you will be happy. You will have to be happy. It seems a bit like the dystopian world that was warned of by George Verver in 1984 and what was warned about in, Ald in Aldous Huxley's uh, book of Brave New World and uh, where we've got a technologically advanced society where people are subdued by drugs and distracted by endless media stimulation and where they're basically slaves of the state. But responding to this great reset is a great resistance. There's phenomenal resistance. And I think we've all been really surprised by the massive support for the truckers in Canada. This, you know, where thousands of vehicles and hundreds of thousands of people across Canada have united in chairing this challenge to the new world order, this challenge against COVID tyranny, against medical tyranny, against mandated vaccinations. Uh, and uh, just some of the tremendous pictures that I have uh, been uh, seeing of people. Uh, here's one of them. Trudeau is demanding that protesters stop shutting down the city so he can shut down the city and the country. Well, that that's an interesting point. Uh, end the lockdown. Uh, then stand up for what is right. Jesus Christ is king. Freedom convoy. Uh, freedom is non-negotiable. And they are having freedom mandates for all freedom uh, on one truck. Do you see this is not about a virus. It's about total government control of people. And that's true from the very beginning. It's never been about health. It's always been about control. Here's another quote from Klaus Schwab. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. And that's also being quoted from Klaus Schwab. Uh, and then there are uh, some of these excellent posters that I've been seeing uh, out there in Fender. Um, we've got huge amounts of banners, Canada strong and free with a with a instead of the maple leaf in the middle of the Canadian flag, they've got the red star with a sickle and instead of a hammer, an injection with needle on it. So a needle and sickle with a red star over the Canadian flag. That and then the question is strong and free question mark, and uh, taking that obviously from the Canadian uh, national anthem. Uh, there's some great other um, 
pictures here, make yourself sheep and the wolves will eat you. I will not be masked, tested, tracked or poisoned. This will not be my new normal, says one lady with a poster. Um, my rights don't end where your fear begins. No mandates. Back to normal now. Stop the panic demic. And uh, no more lockdowns, freedom. And I want my life back. I prefer dangerous freedom to peaceful tyranny. Uh, freedom of choice. Stop all vaccine mandates. I mean, I'm just reading off these many, many, many signs and posters. Keep a land glorious and free. Uh, fight for freedom. Fight for uh, for everybody's freedom. And these um, here's uh, some of these other great uh, posters that I saw in the marches uh, to the uh, Parliament in Australia and in Canberra. We will not be silenced with your fear muzzles. Fear muzzles, that's a good term. Also, people calling them face diapers. Uh, masks are muzzles. New normal equals new communism. Masks are muzzles. Freedom over fear. This is now tyranny. And it certainly is. Kiwis say no to dictatorship. There's been massive protests even in New Zealand. I must say, I'm very surprised that the New Zealanders, the Canadians and Australians have tended to be some of the most peaceful, docile and non-protesting people in the English-speaking world have risen to the fore. And to think that the leftists and the globalists have pushed them so far that even the Canadians, New Zealanders and Australians are uh, complaining, that's amazing. And then the reason why we're getting this new wave is because it fits a political agenda and narrative. The Great Reset is communism with a picture of Klaus Schwab, um, feel like something's not right. Um, another poster, Justin, can you hear me now? That's a trucker sign. I presume they are hooting for all they're worth. And uh, you get other uh, banners and posters, no to mandatory vaccinations, COVID hoax, distrust the government, disbelieve the media, fight the lie. These are some of the posters. And mass poverty is far more deadly than COVID. I think these are strong points. More people have suffered from the lockdowns than they could have ever suffered from the pandemic, even though we know the pandemic was man-made in the laboratory. But nevertheless, the lockdown has been even worse than the man-made pandemic. COVID-19 is the, re the Great Reset. That's the name of a book by Klaus Schwab and Thierry Mellorit. COVID-19 colon, The Great Reset, with reset and big and bold. And so this is nothing secret. This is not a conspiracy theory. This isn't me making some conjecture. This is just straight facts. The Great Reset is a fact. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forums even announced it, published books on it. They're talking about The Great Reset. It's on the cover of Slime magazine. Well, here's another cover of Slime magazine. It's got The Great Reckoning. And underneath says this is the moment to change the world. And so make no mistake, all of these um, man-made events, whether it's a Great Depression of 1933 or whether it's a pandemic of 2020, these are opportunities manipulated by the powers that should not be to the new world disorder. And what they are trying to do is completely and utterly reorganize, restructure, revolutionize the world. And so we're facing a great reset and we need to respond with great resistance. And we are grateful for those people who are making a stand. Here's posters from Zimbabwe. No to Bill Gates poison. We don't want the gates of hell here. We are not guinea pigs. No to unsafe vaccines. Uh, that's in Zimbabwe. Here's another interesting one that I see from Ireland. 
vaccines, the more you know, the more you know. So for no, the first no, before you know, with a capital N-O-W, with a magnifying glass over it, the more you know, and then it's a capital N-O with an exclamation mark with a hand raised in resistance. So vaccines, the more you know about them, the more you say no to them. And that's a very clever uh, poster. Parents call a shots, Maxine mandates have no place in any free country. My child, my choice. Well, the Whistleblower magazine of November 2020 also brought out a cover article on The Great Reset, and the subtitle is How American and Global Elites Are Leveraging COVID to Socialize Their World. And I can give you many examples of countries where they are using the Great Reset and the COVID scamdemic, pandemic as a justification for more persecution of the church. Medical mandates are violating human rights. Vaccines can cause injury and death. Vaccine mandates violate bodily autonomy. These are just some of the posters of people protesting. But in places like Zimbabwe, they've passed a law that you cannot attend a church service unless you've been vaccinated. And to show the government how this is all about health and the government really cares about your health, they send the army into church services to beat up the pastor, rifle butt them in the face, kick people in the head, drag them out the church by the hair, kick them in the face, and smack the rifle butts down on them so, while they're crawling on the ground. Uh, how much clearer can government make it that this is all about your health and it's because the government cares about you? In places like Pakistan and Bangladesh, they've told Christians and villagers, you will not get any aid and you will not even have access to the water hole or the pl plumbing systems of the village unless you convert to Islam. So Christians are outside the community and not allowed to get it. In Central African Republic, if you don't convert to Islam, no food aid for you. You can starve. They've said in quite a number of countries around the world, if you don't convert to Islam, you will not eat. We will not allow you any access to the food. And of course, they've really destroyed the crops, destroyed the farms, forced people into urbanization, put them in squalid slums and ghettos in the cities where they aren't able to be self-sufficient. And now they can just uh, blackmail him. You will get the jab. No jab, no job. Uh, no vaccine. You can't gather. Uh, you have no rights. Uh, if you don't convert to what we want you to convert to, we won't even allow you access to food and water. And this is happening all over the world. So we're seeing a massive increase of persecution of the church. We're seeing tremendous imposition. This great reset is the greatest threat to faith and freedom, to life and liberty to freedom of speech, to freedom of thought, to freedom of conscience, to freedom of movement, to all the essential freedoms that has ever happened in my lifetime. And I'm now 62. And we have got to fight this. So we need to respond to the great reset, the great revolution, the great radical restructuring with great resistance. We need to say no to the jab, no to the vaccinations, no to the mandate, no to the masquerade madness, no to the lockdown lunacy, no to totalitarian governments, no to salvation by vaccination, no to the COVID cult. There needs to be complete resistance. And I think the truckers in Canada have shown the way that we need to resist and we need to be vocal about it. We need to be creative and innovative and we need to be wise. And I do think that it is uh, definitely time for people to stand up, to speak out, to step out, to fight the good fight of faith. We need to be free. And this great reset represents the greatest threat to our faith and freedom, our life and liberty in our lifetimes. We have to win this battle or faith and freedom will be absolutely extinguished under the Great Reset. We are facing revolution, but we must stand for resistance. Back to you, Andrew. 
Thank you very much, Peter. And the Time magazine uh, cover that Peter referred to uh, will be the show image today. And uh, here's something that you can try at home. I downloaded it, and something rather interesting happened. I'm going to right-click on it now. I'm going to go to Properties. Size, 666 kilobytes. Size oh, on... <laughs> size on disk. Yeah, size on disk, 668 kilobytes. I only throw that in there just to say it's got the two sizes, but it says size, 666 kilobytes, and that's what it said it was when it downloaded it. So generally, when I put an image in the show, I sort of try and f make it smaller. So, you know, if it's still visible, I can make it smaller so you can see the whole image on the screen. But I'm going to put this in as is, and so you should be able to right-click it and download it, and you'll see that it's 666 kilobytes as well. I do not think that was an accident. I did get it from, um, I typed in the nature of the cover and uh, I got it off a Twitter feed, okay? But uh, yeah, so you can check that out and uh, I don't think that that's a coincidence. But um, let's move on. Something I wanted to throw in, got a couple of things here. This was a couple of days ago, BBC News headline. Trudeau vows to freeze anti-mandate protesters' bank accounts. Now, do you think he's freezing the bank accounts or do you think the bankers are freezing the bank accounts? I've said regularly recently, folks, they cannot allow the trucker protest to succeed because if they give in to their demands, then that will be the model for people all around the world to do sit-ins until these people back off. And they have absolutely no intention of backing off. But we know exactly who controls the banks. And this will give you further indication of who's behind this COVID-19 propagandemic. And uh, we're in no doubt of who these people are. And they even admit it, as Peter said himself in the presentation today. Um, the other thing I'd like to bring up is I've maintained that whilst we... I report on Mondays the figures in the UK of people who've died from the vaccine and people who've been <coughs> injured. We're now up to thousands of people dead and hundreds of thousands of people injured. And that's in the UK alone, a country of over six of only 67 million people. And we've got a world population of over 7 billion. So that should give you an idea of how many people have been dying and being injured around the world. But the long term effects are something that I've said you know, other doctors have said, uh, you know, real doom and gloom. These are going to kill people within three years. And, you know, you get all different sort of um, theories, if you like, uh, that people are saying. We do know the people that have been killed and the people that have been injured. And these figures are probably grossly understated because they don't like to reveal any negativity about this vaccine. Um, but what I've been hearing recently is these stories about HIV and the vaccine. So I've got a couple of articles here. I'm going to then hand over to Peter for his comments. This is from shtfplan.com. And I'm going to include a link to this in the post for the show. This was February the 15th, earlier in the week, by Mark Maxlavo. What's with all the HIV and AIDS headlines in the MSM lately? That's the headline. And what they do is that... Um, well, let's just read the intro. Is the mainstream media preemptively covering for the next AIDS epidemic caused by the vaccines? Or is this even more sinister? Let's take a look at the headlines flooding the news lately. 
they all seem to be pointing us in one direction, immune system depletion. After 40 years of living with HIV, human immunodeficiency virus, the rulers have decided to ask the mainstream media to promote the idea that now it's creating new variants. All of these articles are magically surfacing now. In February of 2022, more than a year after the COVID vaccines have been made available. Could this be why? And there's a little video that I've not played, so I'm not going to play it for you, but you can play it, 3 minutes 46. Um, but they list the headlines so uh, that have been coming from the mainstream media. So I'm going to hover my mouse over them, uh, and then I can tell you where they come from. So this one's from New York Times. Australia scraps COVID-19 vaccine that produced HIV false positive results. And then we've got... Um, uh, the mainstream media was quick to fact-check these articles, making sure those HIV tests were labelled as false positives. But in light of HIV actually being used in the COVID-19 injections, are they really false? They are also trying to tell us all of the heart problems and people dropping dead of sudden cardiac arrest are not from taking the jabs, but from those hidden HIV infections. And then we've got this from BBC. Know your status and get an HIV test, says Prince Harry. Then from The Guardian, HIV now infects more heterosexual people than gay or bisexual men. We need a new strategy. And then um, from CNN, first patients vaccinated in clinical trial of HIV experimental vaccine that uses Moderna's mRNA technology. So there's more and more of these headlines in this article. So um, we'll include that in our show post. But I want to move on to another article before I hand back to Peter. And this is from dailyexpose.uk. That'll be in this show post as well. Headline, COVID-19 vaccines are causing people to develop AIDS according to a wealth of scientific evidence and government data. This was published on February the 16th, again this week. <clears throat> um, and they've got, they go through it as exhibits to give you evidence. Um, so it goes from exhibit A all the way down to exhibit N. So you can have a look at that. But I'm going to read the very last bit because it's a very long article. And this is just called Closing Arguments. Official government data from England, Scotland and Canada proves that the COVID-19 injections have a real-world negative effect But vaccine effectiveness isn't really a measure of a vaccine. It is a measure of a vaccine recipient's immune system performance compared to the immune system performance of an unvaccinated person. This means the fully vaccinated population immune systems are actually inferior to the natural immune systems of the unvaccinated population. But as we've clearly shown, this immune system degradation is something that is getting worse by the week and has now started to result in a negative immune system performance against death among the elderly and vulnerable in England and Scotland. A recent scientific study has also found that the COVID-19 vaccines suppress the innate immune system with genetic modifications in Produced by the jabs, having diverse consequences to human health that include immune 
thrombocytopenia and myocarditis, both of which are autoimmune diseases. The same study also found an increased production or formation of tumours, which is again linked to a suppressed immune system that is incapable of combating certain viruses that can cause cancer. AIDS, Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, is the name used to describe a number of potentially life-threatening infections and illnesses that happen when your immune system has been severely damaged. People with acquired immune deficiency syndrome are at an increased risk for developing certain cancers and for infections that usually only occur in individuals with a weak immune system. We therefore propose that the COVID-19 injections are causing either acquired immunodeficiency syndrome or a new novel condition with similar attributes that can only be described as COVID-19 vaccine-induced acquired immune deficiency syndrome or the acronym VAIDS. So Peter, with that information, back to you for your comments, please. Yeah, well, this definitely fits into the whole Great Reset transhumanism because as part of the response to COVID, globalists say not only does government need to monitor everyone, but people should also be implanted with tech to track them, to control their money, and to control their thoughts. And this is part of what they call transhumanism. So uh, in his 2016 book, Shaping the Future, um, uh, this is a Klaus Schwab uh, title, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. He says technological changes will allow governments now to intrude on hitherto private space of our minds, reading our thoughts and influencing our behavior. And so fourth industrial revolution technologies will not stop at becoming part of the physical world around us. They will become part of us, says Schwab in this 2016 book, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. He says, indeed, some of us already feel that our smartphones have become an extension of ourselves. Today's external devices, wearing wearable computers, virtual reality headsets, will certainly become implanted in our bodies and brains in the future. And so amongst the technologies that Schwab explains are available is active implantable microchips that will break the skin barrier of our bodies. And these implantable devices will likely enable us to communicate thoughts normally expressed verbally through built-in smartphone and potentially unexpressed thoughts or moods by reading brain signals and other signals, brainwaves and other signals. Now, all that's a direct quote from Klaus Schwab in his book, published in 2016, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So this sounds awfully creepy, but he's talking about the ability of governments being able to determine who may travel and to prosecute people for pre-crime activities where they can tell that you've got the thoughts to commit a crime so they can actually prosecute you before you've done the crime on the basis of what they've been able to read of your thoughts and your moods. And so as capabilities in this area improve, the, the ability for law enforcement agencies and courts to use techniques to determine the likelihood of criminal activity and assess guilt and possibly retrieve memories directly from people's brains will increase. A detailed brain scan to assess an individual's security risk will also be possible. And so this is all being given not as a warning, but as a, isn't this wonderful, we've got this ability, we are going to be able to have transhumanism where people will actually become part of the technology. They'll merge man and machine into transhumanism 
and you will have the digital, the biological, and the physical merged together so that people will able to be monitored. And this will enable him to counsel you if you need counseling ahead of time to deal with problems and to prosecute you for thoughts you had of a crime that you haven't committed yet. And all of this is part of the Great Reset. And the people pushing the Great Reset actually promote this. There is the technology that even when they've got such microtechnology, nanotechnology, that uh, in fact, uh, not only could they... I don't know if they're doing this, but they certainly have the technology to do it. Not only could they harvest your DNA while injecting you with the vaccine, they could harvest the DNA at the same time, and uh, they could place a nanochip within you that'll enable them to monitor you. Uh, they also have the ability to put this on the edge of a swab, a little bit of a micro, it's still metal, um, when they are doing the PCR test. I'm not saying they are doing it, but they have the technological capability to have such small, they can have these nanoparticles swimming in your system through your bloodstreams and so on. And they can even put in you, as we know the vaccines are, DNA altering machinery uh, technology that is in working in your body to achieve different things. They can even now affect people's thoughts and moods, not just read them, but manipulate them. And these are not theories from some conspiracy theorist. These are quotes straight from Klaus Schwab's book, published in 2016, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So make no mistake, they are already pushing for the idea that it's not that you've got to have a card and you've got to have a, a COVID passport. We can put the microchip within you so that they can do a quick scan and see how many shots you've had, what shots you've had, how vaccinated you are, what your vaccination status is, what's the money in your bank account. They can do the digital transfers of your money and EFTs directly by scanning you from your body. You don't need to carry your card or your passport with you. You'll have a microchip, maybe in your wrist, maybe in your forehead. I mean, you know. Revelation 13 comes to mind when you start hearing about this technology. They are they're talking about it, and the people talking about it are top leaders, like World Economic Forum Chief Klaus Schwab, the chief marketer of The Great Reset, the author of the book, uh, COVID-19 and The Great Reset, and uh, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. So we need to take these things very seriously. They are deadly serious about The Great Reset or revolution or radical restructuring, and that's why we need to be extremely serious and diligent and persevering in our great resistance. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Indeed, we do. And also, folks, you need to save shows like this, other shows that you enjoy, because of the attacks that have been taking place upon us around the world, people in the alternative media. You know, these, these people, the powers that should not be, are absolutely ruthless, as we all know. And uh, there's no telling how long this independent media is going to have a voice. I've spoken on this show about the plans in the UK for an online harms bill. It's not plans, it's going through Parliament, and then we'll see how it's voted on and what gets through. And uh, then I will determine if I'm able to continue the show in its current form. We have to look at these things. They want to make laws uh, that if you uh, give out, uh, knowingly give out misinformation, you go to prison for two years. That's the plan. And of course, you may not knowingly give out misinformation. I just read from two articles for you. They could say, oh, well, the mainstream media denies that, so you've given out misinformation by quoting from an article. Until we <laughs> see the legislation, we can't uh, work it out. But you can bet your bottom dollar in the same way they do with the hate speech laws. They will leave it as broad as possible so it frightens people off from speaking out. 
This is their solution. Their solution is they're going to do what they want to us and they're going to use any means necessary to do it. One part of their solution that is never present is that they're going to back off and they're going to retreat. They're not going to do that. You might see a little bit of something like a, uh, we've seen a weakening of restrictions, but that's only because they're regrouping in the UK. They thought, all right, we'll pull back for a bit. And then we've already heard, I think um, Malefica Scott mentioned it on Monday, that they're talking about some far more deadly COVID-19 variant coming out later in the year. So they're prepping it and just in the way that we read out some of those headlines about hiv isn't it isn't it it very simple when you look at it folks you get all this stuff into people and then you say well there's you know we knew it was damaging the immune system of people because of all the reports we've had of people being injured straight away but suddenly this is something different oh isn't it strange all these people got you know problems with their immune system now and we you know it's an absolute coincidence that we, you know, did this massive vaccine rollout that we've never done in history. Just absolutely coincidental, you know. And then they'll use their own mainstream media to peddle that narrative. So, Peter, before we go, can you please let the audience know any final comments and where they can contact you and find your work? We're involved in a war, a spiritual world war. We need the full armour of God. We need the helmet of salvation. We need the breastplate of righteousness. We need the belt of truth the feet shod with the readiness of proclaiming the gospel of peace. We need to have the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the shield of faith. I mean, make no mistake, we're fighting principalities and powers, great evil, and there is a tremendous spiritual warfare. I mean, too much of what's going on fulfills what the Bible warns us about in Revelation 13, a one-world economic system, a one-world government, and pushing a one-world interfaith religious system. And they want to put a mark on you without which you will not be able to buy or sell. And uh, so plainly, there is a spiritual nature. And we've documented this with the uh, exposure of the uh, 1666 and the Sabbatean roots of the New World Order. And we can see what's going on here is Sabbateanism. The Great Reset is attempting to bring about the vision of the Sabbateans, which is occultic. It's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-life. It's, it's anti-human. It's, it's uh, as bad as it comes. So we need to fight this. So if people want to get hold of me, my personal email is peter at frontline za peter at frontline f-r-o-n-t-l-i-n-e dot o-r-g dot z-a or z-a as americans might pronounce it uh our website www.frontlinemissionsa.org i've got documentation on many of these things and of course on the sabbatans if you haven't heard that program you need to listen to it 1666 and the sabbatan roots of the new world order uh because what's going on now in the great reset uh, is basically sabbatianism if we understand the occultic roots of it. This is not just secular. Uh, at its heart, this is occultic, it's Luciferian, it's Antichrist, and we need to know about it. But more importantly, we need to be right with God and have the full armor of God on it. We cannot just survive, but thrive and resist um, to be faithful, to fight the good fight of faith. Thank you so much. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And folks, Peter also has several other websites. If you go to any of his posts uh, of the show that we do together on achshow.com, you will see those. And he also hosts an archive of our shows together. As you know, I only keep the last month's worth of shows that I do, but he has got an archive there that you can go to and you can listen to some of the shows we did many years ago. They're uh, pretty much all there. So uh, that being said... Uh, I want to thank Peter so much for joining us today for a show entitled The Real Story of the Great Reset and the Great Resistance. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. 
I will of course be back with you all tomorrow and in the meantime folks thanks for listening have a wonderful day and bye for now